0: High Noon continues now on 590
1: The Fan. Welcome back. High Noon here on this uh, nasty day in St. Louis. If you're out driving around, slow down, take a second, be sure that you can celebrate Christmas on Sunday. No need for an accident to add to the chaotic holiday season. Rob Rains from com, kind enough to give us some time. Sorry, we're late for you. We were really on a tangent there about the Billikins. Tearing me loss apart. Lesson. Blaming we had me. To, we had to call him Rammer down. He's very grouchy, but actually, no. Right, calm not down,
0: him. Rammer. Calm down. No, everybody, <laughs> no. They're blaming me on the messenger, and so it's my fault. I have to accept I've been, that. I've
2: been in that position before. I know what that's like.
1: <laughs> Rammer missed I, all those free I just throws. I like. you
0: looked out the window and said, it's a perfect day to
2: talk baseball. That's what oh, I Oh, mean. I agree.
1: You're the savior. It is. Who is quoted I always butcher this, but they say on days like this I always used to stare out my window and dream about baseball. Or think about baseball Roger
2: Rogers Hornsby. What do you do in the winter? He goes well before spring, he goes, I stare out my window and I'll wait for spring or something. Yes. Yeah, that's Roger, great. Rogers Hornsby.
1: Yeah, and I'm 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 already thinking, I mean I know you go down to Jupiter, Florida every single year and uh i would guess i mean why not book it a little early get down there in january (laughs) heck mike claiborne i think books it for like december january 3rd i believe he's already gone
2: (laughs) oh i was doing uh, my physical yesterday my doctor said they do winter training instead of spring training
1: That sounds like a good idea to me. I, I agree. agree. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you since the Cardinals made their move with Wilson yeah. Contreras, but um, I, I don't know. I'm on board with it. I thought every time that I looked at the two players that I thought were the most realistic options between Murphy and Contreras, I always leaned towards Contreras. And uh, instead of giving up all the prospects, you sign them and, and you're out 88 mil, but it's not my money. Mm-hmm.
2: Sure. It's always easy to spend somebody else's money. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, like Murphy, you know, if I was just going to actually sit there and say I could have one or the other and, and, you know, the cost wasn't the factor, but based on what Oakland was asking for, I'm glad we got Contreras because I would have hated that trade to, to have given up two of those guys, supposedly the four that uh, were in discussion to get Murphy. Um, but, you know, so I'm, I'm happy with Contreras. I think he's definitely going to be a nice addition to the lineup. We'll be curious to see how he does defensively how he works with the pitching staff. But I think, you know, they, they wanted an offensive upgrade, and I think they've got that.
1: How do you think that the team will divvy up uh, the DH spot? Because um, Charlie Marlowe brought it up this morning, actually. He, he went back and looked at how many games Goldschmidt and Arnato both were at DH. And now you add Contreras to the mix, and you've got still a surplus of players that we don't know how the lineup's going to be configured. There's a lot of options yep. right now, but how do you think that's all going to play out? My, my
2: guess is that you're not, not going to see a lot of Contreras at the DH. For the first couple of years in the contract, anyway, because I think they, I think they, you know, got him to be the catcher. I mean, obviously they're going to give Kisner some playing time, but I think primarily, you know, Contreras is going to. If he's in the lineup, I think he's going to be catching, you know, more more days rather than not. Because like you mentioned, they have other other options as far as the DH spot go. I think they're going to divvy it up exactly, basically the same way they did last year. I mean, it, 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 just take Pujols out of the equation. I think you're going to do give goal, do do it when you want to give Goldie off his feet for a day and Arenado off his feet for a day. I think you're going to see Gorman there. I think you're going to see Yepes there. I think you're going to probably see Newt Barr and O'Neill there. I think you're going to just see a combination of, of guys, depending on how the rest of the playing time is being divided up.
1: Were you surprised um, after the Cardinals signed Contreras, uh, Oakland flips Murphy to Atlanta? I mean, were, were you surprised by that package after hearing what they were rumored to be interested in the Cardinals? They wanted guys who had major league experience, but young enough, they had complete control. Yeah.
2: Well, I think they got a couple of guys they like. Miller's a really good pitcher. I mean, he was probably the Braves top prospect of guys that wasn't in the in the big league. So, I mean they got a, a guy who can be a starting pitcher for them and they got the, the center fielder they got in Milwaukee in the three way deal I think they, they really have high hopes for. So they got a couple of guys that they, they like. I mean they probably Probably were hoping, you know, to hit a home run with Murphy and, and trade and get, you know, the guys that they were talking about with the Cardinals. But maybe they kind of came back down off of that after the winter meetings and said, hey, you know, we really need to move him and get the best offer we can. And that's when they circled back with the Braves. So um, I, I think they got a good package for him, but, but probably not what they would have gotten from the Cardinals had so the Cardinals agreed to that deal. Yeah. I,
0: are we surprised at all that the Braves felt like they needed a catcher? I kind of was. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the Braves are like the Astros. I mean, they just keep retooling and just getting
2: okay. Where can we get you know just one percent better than where we were? You know, and I guess they're probably going to move uh, Darno to be the DH a lot of the times. So, um, yeah, I, the Braves are just just a, such a well-run organization. There's so many good young prospects, so many good young players that you know they they see a guy that they think they can put into that mix and they go get him, you know, I mean, and that was, now obviously, they, you know, the challenge for them is going to be how to replace Swanson, you know, they've got yeah. a kid that they really like, Grissom and Shortstop, so, you know, that's, I think they probably made the Murphy move thinking maybe that they weren't going to get Swanson back so you're replacing Swanson's bat even though he plays a different position with Murphy so something like that maybe I, I, don't, I don't know, I haven't talked about him or read anything down in Atlanta what they're saying but that's that would be my guess is that they probably had an inkling at that point in the negotiations with Swanson that he was likely going, maybe not necessarily going to the Cubs but likely going elsewhere so let's go get somebody who can you know, fill in his spot in the lineup offensively
1: Rob Raines, our guest at STLSportspage.com I, just real quick on the Cubs I'm a, I'm a little perplexed about what they're doing. I, I'm not quite sure if we can call it like a rebuild or a reset, and then they go out and they've spent money on uh, some interesting players. Cody Bellinger, who's a few years removed from MVP, Dansby Swanson, 177 mil, and Jamison Tyon, who should provide some depth for a rotation that desperately needs it.
2: Seems like that money was burning a hole in Rickett's pocket, and he just decided he had to go spend it somewhere, you know? Yeah, it's weird. Um, it was not as weird as the Mets guy. The Mets guy's off the oh. I mean, I mean, he, you talk about somebody. I mean, I, I don't want to say you don't have a clue what he's doing, but let me put it this way: I really hope the Mets finish third and miss the playoffs. <laughs> I
0: think it would. I think it
2: would be hilarious.
0: <laughs> it would uh, be. It would be hilarious. But
1: and fitting, quite frankly. Well,
0: he, I get where everybody's coming from, and and part of me feels the same way. But don't you want your owner to try? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's his money. I mean, yeah, yeah. He wants to spend if if you know, we we talked, we
2: just talked a minute ago about it easier it is to spend somebody else's money. Well, it's even easier for the owner. You got it, and you want to spend it. You know, yeah. you didn't wake up in the morning and and you know say, okay, I want to go sign this guy. How much does that car cost me? I don't care. You know, <laughs> sign it. So, so you know, that's that's a great thing to have. But I just think it's you know, it just speaks to the com- imbalance of the of the baseball that they've got to yeah. address i mean you know they thought they were trying to address it with the the way when they changed the cba limits I mean, in the new cba the limits on <coughs> payroll and penalties and that kind of stuff but i mean he's going to pay more money in penalties this year than probably 10 teams are going to pay in total salaries and that's just that that's not a good mix for the game i don't think
1: yeah he's projected
2: to pay more than a
1: hundred million dollars in luxury tax alone mm-hmm I mean that that is serious.
2: Yeah, it says money. If he wants to spend it that way, go for it. But I mean, I just think it's we've seen time and time again that just necessarily signing all the players the biggest contracts you can get doesn't win you a pennant. It doesn't guarantee you a pen. I mean, it does every once in a while. You get lucky, and your guys play as well as they should play, and you think they'll play when you sign them to that kind of contracts. But it doesn't always work that way. Where does Most that times it doesn't work that way?
1: Where does that money go? I mean, where does the luxury tax money? Does it get you know spread around, or like such as Major League Baseball collecting a tax?
2: Yeah, you know what? I'm not honestly sure about that. i It goes back to the general fund, I think, within baseball. But I'm not sure. I don't think it necessarily gets divvied up. Maybe it goes into part of that competitive balance thing. Maybe it goes to some of the lower revenue teams, uh, like those extra draft picks that they get, you know, the compensation pool or stuff like that. I am not 100% sure that's a good question.
0: Huh. I never really know.
2: had to worry about it since, I, you know, the Cardinals are never going to be in that position that we have to think of.
1: <laughs> no, but the Cardinals are, I think I, the last figure I saw was $178 million, which puts them just outside of the top 15 in terms of payroll. Yeah, that they're they right had. in the middle. Yeah, they're right in the middle. Uh, is that... I mean, what do you think's going through John Moselock's head with this? I mean, he's looking at Steve Cohen spending all this money is he like, my God, how do I compete against this? Well, I think they think they compete
2: by what they've always done, which is develop their own players and just hope that they're good enough to compete. you know I mean they you know it's a better place now to sign a free agent than it was probably a couple of years ago when you know we had a lot of stuff going on and the free agents that so they have signed have not you know for the most part worked out all that well. So I think that they had to go through that a little bit, but I think you know they've got the farm system built back up now, where they've got some make and, and you can argue whether they overvalue their own players, their own prospects, and stuff better than some of the teams. But all you got to do is look at some of the. The rankings of all the top prospects around the game and i don't think they're necessarily hyping the cardinals more than than uh, other teams like you know, so it's not just that they're they're overvaluing the cardinals prospects they've got all you know most of these guys that we talked about for for a couple of years they've got them in their top you know 20 top 50 prospects in all of baseball so that's not just the cardinals hyping them that's all of baseball doing it so um it, it's always better to build your own players i mean mm-hmm. it's, small, it's, it's kind of a small market mentality i realize that but you know, it's, I remember having a conversation with Terry Ryan one time when he was general manager of the Twins about this. And he said, You know, I'm not like the Yankees. He was, when I go out and sign a free agent or I develop a player, I've got to be right. You know, if I'm the Yankees or whatever and I go sign a guy and he's horrible, I just replace him and go sign another guy because I can't do that. <laughs> so so I think it makes it, you know, you have to have more, you know, I don't know, judgment's not the right word, but you have to. It's a tougher call when you're evaluating prospects, when you're evaluating trades, when you're evaluating free agents, when you work in a market that can't just go write another check to overcome another mistake. So um, I think they have to be more careful. And I guess probably you could say in one sense because of that, they're a little cautious. You know, I think maybe they're afraid of making a mistake because they know that financially it would be a a really a bad thing if they made a big financial mistake and had to eat, you know, a $75, $100 million contract. I mean, that would be tough for this team to do. Could they do it? Sure. But I I just think that they like to grow their own players. They've got some coming that they think are going to be really good. Uh, We'll find out. You know, I mean, I, you'll see a lot of, you know, I, I think, you know, barring any unforeseen moves for announcement training, I mean, it's going to be a really big year for Dylan Carlson. It's going to be a really big year for Nolan Gorman. I think it's going to be a big year for, for uh, Jordan Walker. You know, I mean, those are three guys yeah. that could be just as good as any $100 million free agent you could have gone out and signed this winter if they can play up to their potential. And that's what they're counting
0: on. You know, back to uh, buying players, trying to buy championships, um, building from within. If you're a, Pirates or a Cincinnati or an Oakland player and that sort of thing. The the one the one caveat I have for them is, sign, develop your own guys. But when it comes time for arbitration, and usually they don't even wait for him to get to free agency. Mm-hmm. You've got we've got to figure a way to allow teams to keep their really good young players and sign them rather than say, well, we can't sign him. There's another one we let get away. I don't know the answer. If I did, I would try to run for office or try to become commissioner or something. But I think that really damages fan bases when a young players develop is really good and they claim they can't afford to keep him and just let him go. That's just a bad trend. Yeah,
2: the Pittsburghs of the world or whatever, Miami's of the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think that, you know, if you got a guy that's established, like, like, let's take an example, of Miami with Al Contra, you know, just won the Cy Young Award, you know, and they've kind of signed for a couple of years now with a, a pretty decent sized, you know, contract, but, you know, relatively cheaper than he could be getting on the open market because of free agent. So that's a guy they need to keep and build around. And that's, and, and you hope that they're able to have the financial resources to do that. Maybe it's simply a case of they've got to do a better job of, you know, kind of evaluating ownership groups when, yeah. when people try to buy a team, they've got to make sure they've got more resources than they have in the past. You know, I mean, it's you run a baseball team as a, as a business, but yet, you know, sometimes that they're very familiar it this way. It used to be that there were a lot of clubs, um, the Cardinals were never one of them because of Anheuser Bush. I mean, I'm talking about the last 50, 75 years, but a lot of the baseball ownership groups within the major leagues that was their business, they owned the baseball team. You know, they didn't have mm-hmm. you know, Anheuser Busch behind them. They didn't have you know, Steve Cohen's hedge fund billions. They didn't have you know, whatever company ownership group the, the Dodgers, the Guggenheim, keep money. You know, they didn't have those extra benefits to Ricketts family in Chicago. You know, their their business was owning a baseball team. So I think that you know now it's become become that that you have to have more resources than just owning that baseball team to be able to compete. And maybe that's what it's going to come down to is that they, every time a team is up for sale, they're going to have to find you know somebody that has more you know the minimum you know amount of money you need to operate a baseball team is a billion dollars or something. You know, I'm just throwing a number out there and try know, to
0: and be yeah. able to compete financially year after year. And they yeah. keep trying, but the history of the game. Is, has proven that the owner's worst enemies are themselves.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, and it's, I mean, look at the NFL. I mean, it's, it, why does the NFL succeed with markets like Green Bay and, and, you know, other small markets, Cincinnati, wherever, being able to compete financially with the New York Giants and the, and the teams in Los Angeles and, and places like that for two reasons. One, they have a salary cap that you can't go over. And number two is they have 100% total revenue sharing. So, so all those clubs get to, from the, you know, other than the few little local broadcasting deals that they have for like, you know, radio rights or maybe the, the preseason games, things like that, the, the Packers are getting the same amount of money as the Giants, mm-hmm. as the Falcons, as the Bengals or whatever. So that levels the and then they can't spend more than that because they have a salary cap. I mean, that's the two things that's going to have to happen in baseball for them to ever totally, totally level the playing field is to get it, not just to say, okay, you go with over 290000000 million, you've got to pay 100% penalties, because that doesn't deter this guy from doing that. You have to have a total cap that says you cannot have a payroll of more than you know X. And I think they also have to have a minimum cap. You have to say you have to have a payroll of X so that that gap is not that... You know, can can be a moderate gap between. You still have some teams will be at the low end, some teams will be at the top end, but but then have that cap, be a hard cap that you cannot go over, and have a little increase in revenue sharing, so that the the Pittsburghs and the and the you know Cincinnati's and the the Miami's of the world, Oakland's of the world, can get more revenue to be able to go out turn around and spend it on their players.
1: I think that's 100% right. you got to have these teams that aren't spending any money required to get to a certain threshold. And quite frankly, I think more of the owners like the Steve Cohen's and even the Bill DeWitt should be more outspoken about their fellow owners not competing. I mean, I don't hear a whole lot of banter, and I know it's a tight-knit fraternity, so they're not going to, like, rip one another. <laughs> and quite frankly, they're probably not too unhappy about a team tanking because that betters their chances of being a better club but I just think that there should be more accountability held amongst owners and they I don't see a whole lot of that
2: no and, that's a, and you won't because that's what I'm saying they're, they're, it, they're not it's a its a collective business but it's still not a collective business because you all operate under your own rules yeah. basically
1: so. hey uh, Rob I wanted to ask you before we let you go uh, you had a great feature on earlier this month on Dusty Blake who's the uh, new Cardinals pitching coach he was the pitching strategist uh, yeah. prior to Mike Maddox um, resigning from the club. But you had a great piece in there with it, with his former uh, the head coach at Duke, Chris Pollard, who passed him over, what, like a handful of times before he eventually brought yeah. him up to his staff? And then he Watch, goes, yeah. this guy is going to be in the big leagues. And sure enough, mm. he's the pitching coach now for the Cardinals. But what would you learn about Dusty?
2: yeah I, I was real impressed with everybody that i talked to about him a couple of the, you know former players that had played for him and even adam wainwright when I, I talked to him when i did that piece about his you know recording that record album too that ran not too long ago that um, you know they all seem to think that you know the first year he was kind of a little bladed back and and didn't get real involved with the, and they thought he was just kind of the numbers guy but as they got to know him a little bit more last year that they realized hey this guy's gonna be able to help us and he's got some really good ideas about what what to do and how to how to take those numbers? Everybody, you know, can can read the spreadsheet or whatever, and can say what this is, what you know, this analytics says. what <laughs> excuse me, getting a little colder, um, but it's what you do with those numbers. It's how you take those numbers and apply them to make the pitcher better. And he said, what I what his basically said was his my goal is to take whatever it is that the, our pitcher does individually that's, that, that gives him the greatest chance for success. That's what we have to maximize. So I think that's what you're going to see is you're not going to see one plan for every pitcher. You're going to see what makes Jack Flaherty really good. Okay, let's make him do that all more of the time. What makes, you know, Adam Wainwright good? Let's make him do that more of the time. So that's where it's going to be really interesting to see how we can bring out the best in each uh, of the individual pitchers based uh, on what he found out with the analytics.
1: Last last thing for you, uh, Gordon Grisefo. Um, can I play this clip? I want to get your reaction. This is uh, John Moselle. Like He had a sit-down interview with Frank Cusimano on, on uh, KSDK. And Mo talked about Graceff. I just want to get your thoughts. He's
2: already shown that he can take on those innings. He's already shown he can have success at, at the A level. As you know, once you get to the A level, you're, you're a step away from the big leagues. So I think what he's already accomplished is a little different than what Hence is. But stuff-wise and the ability to throw strikes, attack the strike zone, I mean, he's really a special pitcher and another guy that was asked for a lot.
1: Have you seen this guy, and what are your thoughts on him?
2: I think he's, yes, I have seen him, and I think he's the real deal. I think he's going to be a really good pitcher. I think he could He could probably, or uh, a bullpen spot, you know in 2023 at some point with this club uh but i think he's a starter long term and it's just a matter of you know him getting an opportunity and getting an open yes the part of the, he's one of the guys that there's a reason you know i'm not as worried as some people are about the fact that they only got one starting pitcher signed for 2024 because i think you've got you've got some guys that are right there on the door who all they need is the opening and they're gonna gonna step right through that door and he's one of them you know uh based on what he how he did last year i really think he could be a an effective starter in the big leagues i think there's i just don't think we've been can be that guy. I think the guy that, uh, another guy that hasn't even pitched a game in the organization yet, Cooper Jerpy, their first-round pick from Oregon State last year, I think has a chance to, to come pretty quickly. And then Tink, you know, Hans, even though he's a little bit younger, I mean, yeah, it's saw him in the fall league again, too, and um, he's, you know, the sky's the limit for him, I think. So you've got, I think, potentially four young guys right there who are going to be knocking on the door to be a starting pitcher in 2024. So the fact that they have only got one guy starting, you know, under contract for right now for that, you know, starting that season
1: doesn't bother me. I I don't say this like tongue-in-cheek, but I hope... I mean, the the organization sort of babied Jordan Hicks through the minor leagues. You know, they capped his innings. They didn't want him doing this. And I think that's played into some of his demise at the big league level. I, I think that. I hope they take the training wheels off of 10 Hens. I want to see what this guy's got. I hope they allow I him to pitch.
2: I bet they do that next year, yeah. I think that the I think it was still a, a residual effect of not pitching in 2020. The residual effect of, the, you know, he, he really didn't have a lot of physical developments. They really wanted him to get bigger and stronger because he, he came out of a program that didn't have a lot of, you know, that high school program in small town Arkansas that didn't have a lot of, you know, tra- that kind of training uh, in him. So I think that they really wanted to kind of do spend the first couple of years kind of working that as, and, and you know, kind of developing him in that area and then I, I really suspect you'll see him make a big jump in terms of hitting pitched pitch this year so because um, yeah both of those guys the thing that both of those guys him and Graceffo especially both have we always talked about a lot that the guys on the current club don't have is swing and miss stuff hmm. they got they got pitches that guys swing and miss at. and that's you know that's that's now what the what they're looking for. I mean, card. Don't forget, Cardinals were last in the major leagues in strikeouts last year. Mm. And I mean, and that's just that's just something that you know. I mean, okay, there's other ways to get guys out, but that's one thing I talked to Dusty about too. Is that you know, he's all in favor of getting a ground ball on the first pitch to get a guy out. But once you get to two strikes, you know, the best thing you can do is strike the guy out. Away. Because if you got any time you put a ball in play, there's a chance that the guy's going to get on base. Whether it's going to be a hit, an error, or whatever, you know, advance a runner that's already on base. But something could come out of that, even if you get an out out of it. You know, so so the, the best chance to eliminate anything have happen is don't put the ball in play. Just, when you get to two strikes, then you got to get a guy who can strike out the guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that played itself out in game. Uh... One of the wild card round. What the Phillies do? They put the ball in play. Three ground balls caused a lot of chaos for uh, some pretty darn good defenders. All right, Rob. Uh, great to chat with you. And uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Merry well, Christmas. Yeah,
2: Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas any, Rob.
1: Any anything you'd like to plug on the website stlsportspage.com, dot Any projects you are working start,
2: on? Starting on Christmas Day, we'll start counting down our top seven Cardinal stories of the year, one a day, for that last week of the season, like we always do. And then coming up New Year's Day, we'll be our look at the uh, ten most
1: important Cardinals to watch in twenty twenty three. Very nice. Rob, Merry Christmas to uh, the family and yourself and stay warm today and out of this uh, nasty weather. I'm I'm perfectly comfortable as long as our (laughs) phone has done you well. (laughs) All right, Rob. Take it easy. Thank you. The great Rob Rains joining us here. STL com.